Tonight's broadcast of the Masculine Feminist has been commandeered by the secret society No Man, National Organization of Men Against Amazonian Masterhood. Jim? Well, I find that if you shift your weight to your rear foot... This is ridiculous. I worked hard all week. I'm not gonna sit home on bowling night. Well, we can't go back to the bowling alley. Those women are too strong. Yeah. You can't go home. We're too weak. Bob Rooney. Aha! Our secret weapon. Now we'll get to the bottom of this peg. Let's do it. Bob Rooney, he's a butcher. Hence the genius of it. You see, he owns the entire Time Life series on household wiring. Oh, uh, actually, Al, I don't have those anymore. The wife made me send them back. Not before you read them in the John, right? Do you know me or what? Butcher boy. So you see, Peg, after Jefferson gets the deer bait, <laughs> Griff has to ski it down to the lake <laughs> where Ike has set up camp. <laughs> and Bob Rooney scuba dives it into the lake to see which fish are the hungriest. Oh, Bob Rooney. <laughs> We came to stop you from embarrassing yourselves. <laughs> Too late. Hey, every time Bob Rooney plays the armpit tuba, you all laugh. Well, that's funny. Say, how did you get these margaritas so frothy? Well, I had this battery-operated cocktail stirrer. Oh. <laughs> Found it in my nightstand. <laughs> The votes will be tabulated by Ike and Bob Rooney from the accounting firm Ike and Bob Rooney. Bob Rooney. Bob Rooney. I, I can't take it anymore! It's party time! Hi, gang. This is Ed Bell, known to you all as Bob Rooney, inviting you to listen to the Married with Children podcast. Don't miss it. Let's rock. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, and Married with Children fans worldwide, welcome today to yet another very special edition of the Married with Children podcast. This is your friend, Annabelle, here from Down Under. And Matt and I have the utmost honour today of interviewing an actor who had a very prominent role on Married with Children in its third and final act as a member of No Man for the show's final four seasons. In fact, he was No Man's treasurer. And we were first introduced to his character, Bob Rooney, in Season 8, Episode 9, No Man. 
and he appeared in a total of 23 episodes with his final appearance in season 11, episode 17, Live You Peg. In opinion polls throughout the years, his character has always ranked at the top of the most beloved no mammer of all time, and he is here with us today in the nudie bar. Please welcome <laughs> Mr. Ed Bell. Well, thank you one and all. I'm so glad to be here. We're very glad to have you here. So we should say that you are professionally known as E.E. E. Bell. E.E. E. Bell. Yes, correct me if I'm wrong, stands for Edward Earl Bell. Edward Earl Bell. Uh, the middle name is my mother's maiden name, E-A-R-L-E. Mm-hmm. And when I went to join the union, uh, along about 83, there was an Edward Bell, there was an Eddie Bell, and there was an Ed Bell. And if I had changed my last name, my old man would have killed me. So I went with uh, E.E. Bell. Very good. If that's the way people meet me, if they only know me through like a a casting and a cast sheet and I don't get to meet them and say, hi, call me Ed, they'll call me E.E. It's like Billy Crystal, who I've worked with on three films. It's E.E. because that's the way it's just in in his brain. So... Ed, let's start at the beginning, a very good place to start. There's not a lot of biographical information about you out there on the web. So tell us more about yourself. Uh, Where are you from? Where you went to school? And what got you into acting? That sort of thing. Well, yeah, I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad was in the Navy. So we moved around a lot from Norfolk to Florida to Kentucky to San Diego to Chicago. And then the majority of the time was spent in suburban Chicago, which was my mother's uh, family's home. Uh, So I grew up in Oak Park originally. And then we moved out to the farther suburbs of Schaumburg later and uh, went to high school one year in Oak Park. It was actually in San Diego when I first was in the Cub Scouts and did a little sketch, little skit show in front of an audience one time and I got a laugh and I heard that laugh from coming from these people and it was the greatest sound I'd ever heard and so I said I like that I want to do that I want to make people laugh and so all through grade school and high school I took whatever acting courses or whatever plays would come along I would get involved in those And then a little bit later in in high school, uh, musical theater, got involved in that, which led me to Northern Illinois University, which is a teacher's college, basically. And uh, I got a degree in theater education because my parents wouldn't help me pay for college unless I had a degree that I could fall back on to teach theater. So... I didn't want to teach theater. I wanted to go out and have a professional career. A lot of the guys that I graduated with immediately went into teaching. And here, 25 years later, they're head of their department and retiring, having never been in the profession of acting, you know? So, I mean, they could teach kids how to act, but not how to be a professional actor. But really, the the theory behind theater education is an educated audience for theater. You're not necessarily teaching kids to act. 
you're teaching people to be good theater audience members. So graduated from college, had been doing stand-up with a partner at that time, and he had moved out to California. And I said, okay, I can stay in Chicago where there is a pretty burgeoning theater scene and stand-up scene. I could go to New York, which is Broadway, which is, you know, supposed to be the goal of any musical theater actor. Or I could go to California for the movies, the TV, and stand up with my partner. So I came out here, and I only we only lasted about six months, six, eight months at the comedy store and, and those places. Because when you're new, you go on at like two o'clock in the morning, and the audience is drunk. They've been hearing funny people all night long. And the comedy we were doing at that time was pretty juvenile, I want to say. We did split the there was an old cartoon called underdog up here in the u.s and it had a very notable theme song split the crowd in half and we'd get them singing the underdog theme song, which might work at say eight o'clock after one cocktail, but by two three in the morning after they've heard, uh, you know, Bob Saget, and some of the other, you know, pretty heavy duty comedians, they weren't putting up with what we were doing. And stand up is not the kind of communication with an audience that I care for. I appreciate the guys who do it. I respect them. You need your own view of the world. You need a need to express that to people. Most of them need to be the funniest guy in the room. And they're on all the time. And that's not me. I prefer a theater or movie or TV where I take somebody else's words, give them life. In the theater, and of course, of Married with Children, where you have a live audience, you get that immediate feedback, which is wonderful. That's what an actor lives for. In the movies, it's a more intimate experience where you're working with the person that you're working with and you're really focused in on that and that is the intensity there. And it's only after that, if what you do survives in the film, you get to go to the theater and see it and hear the people laugh at it. So that's kind of a, the general look at it all. Just so you know, I actually work in amateur theater here in Adelaide in South Australia. And we hear a lot of very similar things and people who, um, and they all, it's amateur theatre, but they all take it very seriously. And you hear similar stories, people who have tried, for example, stand up or, but they much prefer acting and, and learning somebody else's words and getting that feedback from an audience, whether it be comedy or drama. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a foundation for you to express yourself, but you're using other people's words. You're bringing other people's words to life. And, um, you you know, no matter how good a writer an actor thinks they are, odds are 
They're not that good a writer. <laughs> They're an actor. There are good actors who write out there and writers who act. But for the most part, uh, yeah, uh, you're an actor. and Stay in your lane, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair. Uh, so who was your, your stand-up partner back then? A fellow by the name of Ron Petke. He was a, he was a high school friend. And uh, we're still very good friends out here in California. Mm -hmm. We were we were Petke and Bell, ambassadors of comedy. <laughs> so and we wanted to do older, like 30s type of comedy. I don't know if you guys are aware of a company, a, a couple of guys named uh, Biffle and Schuster, who back in 2015 recreated that type of 30s film humor. Anyway, that's kind of what we wanted to do, but we didn't have the backing that they did, uh, the money backing that they did, and and so anyway, it, it just it that kind of comedy didn't work in the stand-up at the time. Right. Yeah. Well, according to IMDb, your first television appearance was as W.C. Fields on a a short-lived series named Matt Houston. Yep. Way back yes, in uh, 1983. Can you tell us how you got there? Yes, indeed. One of the easier jobs to get when I first moved to California without an agent was lookalike work. Because as a kid growing up, I watched Laurel and Hardy and W.C. Fields and Three Stooges and all that stuff on TV. And I said, okay, Jackie Gleason, The Honeymooners. And I said, yeah, those, those are the guys I want to be. You know, I want to be a fat, funny guy. You know, the fat I didn't have a choice on, the funny I had a choice on. But one of the first gigs you can get is back in the early 80s, uh, there was a lot of corporate money around. And a company like Xerox would invite all their top salespeople to Los Angeles. And one night in a ballroom in a hotel, they would have an evening of Hollywood, right? And they would hire lookalikes. Laurel and Hardy, W.C. Fields, Mae West, Marx Brothers, uh, Charlie Chaplin. And basically, it was just meet and greet. You would just walk around uh, shaking hands, doing bits of the character that you were doing. But mostly, it was them telling you dirty jokes, which was hilarious. Because you're getting paid to hear dirty jokes. And so, from that I, I was doing Laurel and Hardy and W.C. Fields and while I was doing uh, the musical theater at the same time during the evenings I actually got an agent uh, an agent a friend in the show came down saw me I went up and auditioned they hired me as an agent and the first thing they sent me out on because they knew I did the W.C. Fields was Matt Houston so in full W.C. Fields regalia I uh, I walked into Aaron Spelling's office and did some fields bits and they hired me and the material that you see in the clips was all fields stuff that i came up with not improv but but pieces of fields bits that we just plugged in at the at the right times and it worked reminds me of a time many years ago when i discovered the aqui indians drinking the juice of the cacti i hear they're gonna tear you down and put up an office building where you're standing godfrey daniel hey why are you staring at that young lady uh didn't we meet in weehawken perhaps not 
Now, on that same show, the Laurel and Hardy were played by Chuck McCann and uh, Larry Harmon. And uh, Larry Harmon, who owned the rights to the images of Laurel and Hardy, liked what I was doing and hired me. And we went up to Reno and we did a series of commercials for Reno as Laurel and Hardy. That was kind of the the first couple of gigs. The actually first paid gig I ever did in Hollywood, non-union, was a very early cable TV Playboy channel, softcore porn. And I can see everybody's ready to start Googling this. <laughs> Electric Blue Airlines. It was an airplane with a all-female, you know, the stewardesses. Kitten Natividad was the head stewardess. And she had like three other little stewardesses. Now, I never took my clothes off. I was a cowboy riding the plane. But during the negligee fashion show, when the turbulence hit, the naked lady fell into my lap. And as the turbulence went along, I'm you know, lifting her up and flopping her around. And at the end of the day, they paid me $50. And that was my first gig in Hollywood. And it was like, okay, I, uh, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll do this. Well, it seems to have worked out. It did. Yeah. <laughs> and then onto the fields, Different Strokes was actually the first national uh, series that I did. All right, the bases are loaded. One hit wins the game. Who's up? times go get him sam i will say daddy warbucks why don't you buy the kid his own team to ruin huh all right sam just do your best Clarence, you go up on and hit. But your dad benched me. Then pinch it for me because I'm not that good yet. But just wait. I'm going to keep practicing and before you know it, I'll be up there batting a thousand. Thanks, Sam. You're okay for a run. <laughs> what do you think about my little brother now? That was beautiful. Better than the Lou Gehrig story. Because <laughs> growing up and watching TV, I always wanted to be a wacky neighbor. That's it. Didn't want to be the star of the show. Wanted to be the wacky neighbor. Show up, a couple of funny stuff, disappear. And so that was kind of what I was seeking along the way. But I get little dramatic roles, a little one line here, two lines here. The new Adam 12, which was a remake of a cop show here where I played a bus driver who gets cracked on the head and Murder, She Wrote, which was a murder mystery with... Uh... Angela Lansbury? Yes, yes, yes. Angela Lansbury. Look, I only know what's written on the invoice, and it says COD. I gotta have a check. This is some sort of mix-up. There's no mix-up, sir. There it is. I double-checked it before I left the warehouse. No money, no lobster. Didn't get to meet her, because 
so many times you don't get to meet the stars unless you're in a scene with them. If you're a, a day player, which is one kind of name for the type of actor I am, or a, or a contract player, or a co-star level kind of thing, you're working with lesser stars probably than the big star of the show. So I did not get to meet Angela Lansbury. Same with the movie that I did, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Christina Applegate, yes, was star of that movie, but I played a baseball umpire and one of her brothers and sisters was in the baseball game. Thank you everyone for staying. We're gonna pull an all-nighter. That's my girl. So I did uh, two or three days on that movie, but never met her until I got the gig on Married with Children and then finally got to meet her. So that was uh, that was nice. And then to get married with children, it was just an audition like any other audition actors in Hollywood wait for the phone to ring. The agent calls, they tell you where to be, when to be there. Uh, maybe what the character is, maybe you get what they call sides, which are some pages from the script that you can read and kind of get an idea of what you're doing. Maybe you don't get that, but it's be here now. Uh, here's the time. Here's the place. Who's who here's who you're meeting. Could you talk us through the process of how you were cast on Married with Children? It was a cold audition. I don't remember whether we were doing improvisational stuff or there were sides for lines and whatever. But there were like 50 guys. And they grouped us into 10 groups of five. And we went in, did whatever we did, came out, and they would say, hold a minute. You know, they take the next five guys in, let them out keep some of them, let some of them go, get the other ones in there. Then after they had all 10 groups in there, they said, okay, you, 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 and you come on back in. And we went back in and it was pretty much those five guys who were the core of the first No Ma'am episode, the masculine feminist. Jim. Well, I find that if you shift your weight to your rear foot... This is ridiculous. I worked hard all week. I'm not going to sit home on bowling night. Well, we can't go back to the bowling alley. Those women are too strong. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go home. We're too weak. <laughs> hey, I got it. We can go to a movie. Hey, Peg. Peg, do we have a paper? <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's see what's planned. Hey! Oh. <laughs> ah, here's a gripping drama about a newlywed couple waiting at their new house for their furniture to arrive. It's called Where Oh Where Is the Mayflower Man? <laughs> Any boobs? William Hurt and Glenn Close. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Sounds like a buzz. <laughs> we could go to the newsstand and buy a magazine. Yeah, but where could we hide it? Mm. How about in your wife's hair? <laughs> How about in your wife's chin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys are making us turn against each other. Now, there must be something we can do. 
I know where we can go. To the last great bastion for the American red-blooded male, where there is no such thing as ladies' night. And the nudie bar! Where a buck's enough to see their stuff. And the nudie bar! Where the breasts may be fake, but man, do they shake. Where you swear like a sailor and wish you could nail her. <laughs> Where the cops are at the door and there's a Kennedy on the floor. <laughs> Chris Columbus is about the only one I remember other than myself, but uh, that was... Just a cold audition. You just walked in and you read for it. And I don't remember who was in the room, whether Michael was there or Ron or casting people at the time. I don't recall. So often I don't. It's kind of a protective measure for an actor because you get told no so much. You just go in there, do your best work and go home. Not expecting the phone to ring. If it rings, that's great. If you get a call back, that's great. If you get booked, that's the gravy. But somewhere along the way, somebody said about an audition, you know, Ed, just go in there, sell the beer, and disappear. Hmm. It's like, okay, yeah. Go in, do your job, give it your best shot. Now, if you're smart, you will remember who you saw in case you see them again. You know, and you can follow up with them, and you can try to get a some sort of relationship going mostly through notes and things like that i was never big on that and i don't live actually in los angeles proper i live about 30 minutes south always have when i first came to california i moved here because the actual city of la and the valley seemed a little too something <laughs> for me i guess growing up in the suburbs i needed a little more room and it's very crowded up there. Were you a fan of the show before you appeared on it? As I was saying to Luigi before, uh, my mother would not allow the show in the, in our house. It was just too bent, too warped. So I never really watched it very much until I got on it. So I got to meet the people first and then got to watch the shows and see them playing their characters and to realize how completely different they are than than who they're playing christina sweet darling thing david fun young guy just totally different than the people i have a great deal of respect for them because they really grew up on camera during those eight years before we got there first day on the set i walked in there and they were just sitting on the couch and i swear they were just chatting back and forth you could not hear what they were saying until i got right up there and i realized they were rehearsing and they were just doing it so naturally and fluidly. It just looked like a conversation. Cameras were not rolling. It wasn't a rehearsal rehearsal. They were just kind of running their lines. And so I immediately cracked to, they are actors. And I respect that. I just respect actors. Well, according to IMDb, you've got over a hundred acting credits. Really? And, and like you say, with the uncredited stuff, it's probably even longer. Yeah, it'll, well, it'll be if it was 83 when I got when the, they got your first credit down there, 
that'll make next year what 30 years in the business 40 years yeah oh, 40 years good lord not to make you feel old or anything but <laughs> no that's okay that's all right it just takes me by surprise sometimes that married with children has been on tv over 35 years so yeah we should mention quickly that um that in addition to being an actor you're also a singer and yeah. you have a an irish band called the hooligans who i've seen right. on facebook w-h-o-o-l-i-g-a-n-s dot com and you sing and you play banjo is that correct yeah we we do irish pub music play the banjo sing and uh we've kind of tapered that down in the last two years because we did been doing it for about 25 years and i was a little burnt out on it so it has kind of tapered off a little bit but uh i still we just still do a, a private party once in a while because our fans enjoy having us in their homes or you know weddings and, and we, we that's the best irish parties are house parties where stuff's going on in the kitchen stuff's going on in the, actually the best irish parties are irish wakes where the corpse is in the living room and everybody's crying and the band is in the kitchen and everybody's drinking and having a good time and that's the kind of spirit we we pull off with our with our band it's a real irish family party and you've even written a song about no man called no man i think i did i yeah. did i did that yes with help from uh Tom McLeister, who played mm -hmm. uh, Ike, who's really the only one that I'm still in touch with. Never really got terribly friendly with the core cast people because they'd been together for, you know, eight years by the time we got there. And so, and the machine that made the show was just a well-oiled machine. It, it sometimes took people longer to round the cast up to sit at a table for a half hour reading, you know, it'd take them an hour to get everybody there because they're all off on their own little things, you know, and then they'd get together and they'd read and psh, they'd all go back to their dressing room. So the only guys I really hung out with were the no man guys, mostly uh, Ike, who was Tom McLeister, who was very happily uh, retired now on the East Coast, and Harold, who uh, I always found a very fascinating guy. And actually, those two guys were at my wedding, and uh, Tom McLeister sang us a song. It was it was very sweet. Now, Ted McGinley, I had done a show some years before called Herndon with Michael uh, Richards, who played uh, Kramer. Yeah, Michael Richards. Michael Richards. And the, the bit of that one was, you know, the story behind that was, in high school, McGinley was the big uh, big man on campus. And Herndon was the little nerd, right? But now, 10 years later, or whatever it is, McGinley is on the skids. And Herndon, the uh, the other guy, is kind of a rich uh, computer guy or whatever he was. But he, he was doing his physical comedy like he did with Kramer. And when they tested it in front of audiences, that's what they didn't like about the show. The physical comedy that he was doing. And so the show did not get picked up, just the pilot ran. But I, I did meet Ted McGinley on that. And he was a very nice guy. And he gave me some advice. He said, Ed, you know, if you make it and you're driving home from work that first day and you know that big check's coming, don't buy the shiny car that you see on the way home. 
give it some time. So I kind of took that to heart and I said, okay, I realize it's a showbiz is like high school with money. You know, <laughs> you can do anything you want. If you've got the money, money doesn't necessarily give you respect. It just gives you buying power. And there is a certain false respect that comes from being able to buy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be rich. I don't know that I ever wanted to be famous. I always just wanted to make people laugh. But I did read in Time Magazine one time an article about Elvis. And they're talking about his gold telephone and his gold toilet seat or whatever it was. And it said, you have to realize that Elvis has unlimited spending power. And I thought, I like the sound of that. Unlimited spending I'm not sure if you're aware, but Michael Richards auditioned for the role of Al Bundy. I did not know that. Did <laughs> not know that. An interesting thing, I was talking to Katie Segal one time and uh, about the show and all. And, and she said, honestly, Ed, we, we started this show thinking it was a one season bent little weird show on this weird little new network, Fox. And we had no idea it would go anywhere. And then the whole Terry Ricolta thing came up. And even bad publicity is publicity. And so people were starting to tune in. And I've heard from more kids who watch the show with their dad. And it's one of their fond memories of watching Married with Children with their dad. And that is cool. If you can be that part of a, that much of a part of somebody's family life, that's cool. That is cool. Before I hand you over to, to Matt, as I mentioned, you met, you appeared in 23 episodes of Married with Children as Bob Rooney. Yep. And Bob Rooney is always called by his first and last name. He's always yep. called Bob Rooney and to the point where it, yeah, it's on your bowling shirt as Bob Rooney, but it, apparently it's 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 one word. And we do have information from your old website about that, but I'll let you explain. There is one shirt that just says Bob. They got that wrong. <laughs> but I, I was talking to Michael Moy one time, and I said, why Bob Rooney? And he just said, honestly, in every neighborhood I've ever been in, there's one guy that everybody calls by both names. And while that's not my experience, that's his experience, <laughs> and he created the character. And so, okay, Bob Rooney, that's, that's the way to go. And it's a funny name. <laughs> Got the hard B and the funny ooh. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great character to, to bring to life. And, yeah, he's, he's kind, of, kind of a goofball. But then again, wacky neighbor. I hit gold with that. It was like I had a little tiny role in Herbie Fully Loaded, the Lindsay Lohan film, right at the beginning, where I play a bumbling... Disney henchman. What the heck happened to you? I'm sorry, Crazy Dave. I had a few problems getting this critter on the truck. <laughs> well, please. I'm blowing bigger things out my nose. Prettier, too. What was that? I wouldn't insult him if I was you. He's sensitive. He's a car. Yeah, I know. It's just that he's proud. That's all I'm saying. 
The shed I got him out of was just full of these old trophies. I, I think he used to be a race car. A race car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I bet it took first place in the ugly Annapolis 500. <laughs> oh, no! Growing up as a kid, that's what you do. You know, you look at a Disney movie and go, oh, look at the funny guy, you know? So yeah, bumbling Disney henchman, wacky neighbor. I've reached some goals in my life. <laughs> oh, but yeah, he, he is kind of a foolish, but uh, that's okay. If people can identify with him. That's just great. My favorite episode was the one where he's coming over to find out what a light switch does, and he ends <laughs> up locked in the wall. Al, there is not an eyebrow left among you. Please call someone. I will not. All we have to do, Peg, is find out where the last few of these wires go and... I can start my vacation anew. And what about Bob Rooney? You know, he's been missing for two days. Bob Rooney's not missing. Right, Bob Rooney? Right, Al. <laughs> he's in the wall. He is stuck in our house, Al. Like he's the only one. And I think that's one that I hear from people most really enjoying. And that was so hilarious because I had a couple scenes uh, you know, on the camera. And then for the second half of the show, I'm just sitting on a microphone backstage. And as they all shut down the lights and go to bed, Al's walking up the stairs. Night, Bob Rooney. And from behind the wall, night, Al. Good night, kids. Good night. Good night, Bob Rooney. Night, Al. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> that was great. Well, uh, again, good morning, Ed, uh, or evening to you, and yeah, so I uh, loved hearing all your um, stories so far and anecdotes and all that, but I got my first question to you is, of your 23 episodes of Married to Children, as Annabelle m mentioned, which are your most memorable, um, not, not just episodes, but also your most memorable fa and favourite scenes that you did too? I'll also r run through a list of, list of all of them. That was my favorite episode, the Locked in the Wall episode, I would say. The Rocky Mountains in the, in the nudie bar was memorable. Who's man enough to climb the Rockies? <laughs> I can't take it anymore! It's party time! <laughs> because Lethal Weapons, these star was quite a, a piece of work i don't find that kind of body modification all that attractive and when i come across women who have that kind of modification there's usually a guy behind it that i find kind of sad because i don't know if it's her true desire or she's just trying to please him, you know? So I'll call that memorable, if not particularly enjoyable. The episode with Iron Man Haynes, who was uh, um, Waylon Jennings, was great because he's one of my musical idols. What we need to do is to find someone who can tell us how to fight this insanity. <laughs> 
That's right. We need a man's man. Right. Someone who's always called his own shots. A leader to lead us through the 90s. A man among men. Ironhead Haynes! Who's Ironhead Haynes? The gruffest, toughest man to ever graduate from Polk High. He had a beard in the seventh grade. <laughs> and a wife. <laughs> Took out his own appendix with a pocket fisherman. He could have been a great football player for Polk High, but he refused to take off his spurs. He wore boots to play football? No boots, just spurs. <laughs> well, you know, they... They can't all be football stars like we were. <laughs> or cheerleaders like I was. Hey, I did some very dangerous flips. And I, uh, I helped fire the cannon after each touchdown. Yeah. Was that you? Well, uh, where can we find this Iron Head Hanks? Rumor has it he lives alone on top of the highest mountain in Illinois. Well, then we'll go tomorrow and seek his guidance. Agreed. And I got to sit and chat with him for a while, and I'm not big on asking for autographs because that, that's kind of, kind of makes them uncomfortable because you're working with them as a peer, as an equal, and you say, hey, can you sign, blah, blah, blah. But I happened to wear my cowboy hat in one day just by chance. And uh, I, I asked him if he'd sign it, and he did. So that was cool. So that was memorable. Some of the sports episodes were great. I still have the Double D bowling shirt, which was a nice piece of costume. And I have the custom-made bowling ball they, they made for me. So those were memorable. The fight over Claudia Schiffer, the beer fight in the garage with Ike was fun. anymore. Ooh, let's dance. When you were dancing, you wanted a box. Oh, but, but when I was dancing, I didn't get to lead. And the uh, big bird on the roof, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the big uh, bird <laughs> picks me up and carries me around and drops me off. Ah, well, I guess Al won't be needing this old antenna anymore. Hey, wait, you can't tear that down. <laughs> This is the home of a future baby bird. <laughs> the only future for this baby is in an omelet for me. You're making a big mistake, Bob Rooney. You touch an egg, that makes the mama bird really mad. Well, I don't see no mama bird around. Maybe not. But there's a B-52 with a beak. <laughs> Who would have thought a bird could lift Bob Rooney 70 feet in the air? Well, she won't make a hundred.
that was a fun one too because it was very creative the way they pulled it off so yeah some really some really grand ones some really some really fun times oh and washington going going to washington oh yes yeah a lot of a lot of feedback on the uh, magic fingers bed we came to stop you from embarrassing yourselves <laughs> Now, the secret behind the Magic Fingers bed is it was just a very rickety spring mattress. There was no machine driving it. That was just me convulsing on the bed. Nice, so nice. It was my own animation, and uh, it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, yes, and there's oh, more funny appearances. <laughs> Thank you. Because yeah. just looking through all your episodes, you've got Season 8, Episode 9, No Man, the Jerry Springer one. You've got H episode, Season 8, Episode 23, Ironhead Haynes, or the Waylon Jennings one. Uh, yeah. The Beer Bellies, Season 9, Episode 5, Business Sucks. And then there's Business Still Sucks, Season 9, Episode 6. Uh, I always um, liked all the No Man episodes. So, well, most of them. So these are all very mem- memorable for me. Uh, Dud Bowl, as you mentioned, the football one, Season 9, Episode mm-hmm. 10. A Man for No Seasons, Season 9, Episode 11. The two-parter where you go to Washington. Season 9, Episode 12 and 13. Not to mention your speech in front of the Senate, as he mentioned. <laughs> Bob Rooney's speech. Uh, you deliver that well, Ed. Anyone else? You there with the moons. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, uh, we just think you should bring back Psycho, Dad, because, well, he symbolized everything that's great about this country. I mean, like, like, take the time he went charging into that Indian village that was filled with unarmed women and children, right? So he's blasting away. (laughs) What the total stranger standing beside me is trying to say is nobody talks about the good side of Psycho Dad. Best thing ever, though, is when you mention two shows in a row, I've never been a regular on an ongoing season. Bob Rooney is what you call a recurring character. But the times when I would finish shooting a show Friday night, go back to the dressing room and find the script laying there for the next week's show. And that happened two or three times. That was the best feeling in the world. I can only imagine, Ed, like the very next episode after the Washington two-parter was episode 14 of season nine, The Naked and the Dead, but mostly The Naked, the Lethal Weapons episode. Then you've got season nine, episode 21, and Mingo was a gamo. Oh, were you drinking beer in the garage looking for a replacement? <laughs> Girly yeah. girl. Yes. Yeah. I love that one. Uh, I'm very blessed to have quite a few friends in general, but so I've got a few who are referred to as my beer drinking friends, so I can imagine them doing the same thing if their regular beer they had one was, went screwed up. <laughs> yeah, and then there's oh uh, again two in a row. Uh, season nine, episode twenty-two, user friendly. The last one with one of my other favorite characters, the legendary Doctor Juliet Tablack as Amber, and uh, we, that's where we find out uh, Bob Rooney is a butcher, an amateur electrician. Yes, indeed. The one we find on the wall. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, indeed. Oh, another one, another one on the row. They were on a row in season nine. They obviously knew a good actor. So, Pump Fiction, season nine, episode 23. Bob Rooney's in the shoe store with the girls in bikinis. Mm-hmm. 
Bob Rooney here. Hi, it's me, Ike. <laughs> hey, Ike, what's up? Nothing much. Hey, listen, I thought of a catchphrase for the movie poster. Hasta la vista, shoe man. Loving it, loving it. I'll run it past the big guy. Excuse me. Hello? Al, I just called with an idea. I know he's right here, you <laughs> That was really amazing. They had some really lovely, lovely ladies on there. And the costume department would supply them with these pink terry cloth robes to keep them warm on the set because they're not wearing much. And I always said when I pass away, I want to be reincarnated. There's a pink terry cloth robe on the Married with Children set. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well... Hope well that that won't be for a long time. I'm sure, Ed. That won't. I don't think you'll be. I don't think you'll be leaving us for a long time. That's for sure. Uh. <laughs> I don't know that I've been good enough in this life to come back as pink terry cloth robe on the Red with Children's set. Hey, you 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 were a recurring character on my favorite show of all time. That's good enough in my book. Uh, I mean, it, it's still one more episodes. Um, you appeared in like the Pit Puggy with a Cup, Shoeless L, season nine of episode twenty five. Your last one in season nine. I like that one too. Uh, then crossing into season 10, A Shoe Room with a View, where Garrick's Aerobic Studio opens, episode two of that season. Yeah, I barely remember that one, the aerobics. How about season 10, episode four, Reverend Al, where Al starts his Church of No Ma'am? That was pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, this is incredible. Another $10. Hey, it's my dog. <laughs> Man, everybody's trying to get a ticket on the No Man Express. Yes, hey, why not? Hey, listen to this one. Gentlemen, although I cannot reveal my identity, I am also under the iron rule of a woman. Here's $10 for your cause. Your friend, B. Clinton. P.S. <laughs> don't tell H. Not her real name. <laughs> Hey, a phony church is becoming a real religion. <laughs> and like other great religions, we have a sacred obligation to make a lot of money and open our own theme park, huh? <laughs> no ma'am's land. Hey, guys, am I the only one who thinks we're getting a little carried away? Yes! yes. <laughs> Don't you see? Real religions have commandments, beliefs, values, traditions that have been formed over thousands of years no problem and make some of them up <laughs> and now on to the burning question that has plagued the great religions for centuries is there an afterlife hell no <laughs> how do we keep these suckers hemorrhaging cash yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. when they first started no man they explained that they wanted to open up the show and kind of get it out of the living room and they also wanted to take some of the burden of carrying the show off of Ed O'Neill. Those were the two stated intentions they came up with. And they succeeded in getting us out to different places. But it, I don't know that it lightened Ed's load much mm. because you can't have that type of group without the center guy 
who the other guys revolve around. So I don't know how much that lightened his load. And in one of those seasons somewhere in there, might have been about that time, Michael Moy, his contract was up for renewal. And of course, when you renew a contract, you have demands, requests. And I walked into the set one day, and the camera guys are tapping their headphones going, I'm hearing things. I'm hearing good things. And by the end of the day, I found out that one of the things that Michael had in his renewal contract was a request for a No Ma'am spinoff, which was interesting. <laughs> and kind yeah. of felt really, really good for about two days until you realize that some things are put into contracts to be thrown out. So you get other more important things. And I honestly have a feeling that was a bargaining chip type thing because I don't know that you would have had Ed spinning off with the no ma'am guys. And I cannot imagine the no ma'am guys without Ed there. There has to be that central planet around which the moons circle. That was a high flying two days, I'll tell you. Oh yes, for about two days. Uh, yeah, I would, I would have watched that No Man spinoff had Fox made it. I mean, obviously, I wasn't a fan of Married to Children until ten years after it ended. But uh, they, I still would have watched the No Man spinoff had it been filmed. Would have been interesting. Yeah, interesting to see what they're doing with the voiceover thing now. They're doing a animated version. Yes, and they've yes. got the core people together. And I had my agent, my voiceover agent, call, but they weren't interested in the No Man guys. They were just looking yeah. for the core people. That's a pity. Um, maybe they'll regret the decision to add you, add you guys in later. You, you'd all make a great addition to um the animated series. One could hope. Yeah. One one little quick note about uh, Reverend Al. He does a lot of talking in that, and he was having like hives on his tongue, and he was in extreme pain that whole week. But he oh. just plowed through Ed O'Neill. His his yeah. tongue was like had like boils or something on it, and so he was he was. If you listen, you can hear a little bit of a a, a wet uh, nest to his voice that isn't normally there. So it was very painful for him to speak, and he gives the whole fundraising speeches and it was actually one of the heavier ones for him. But he plowed through it like a like a master. Yes, um, I've to rewatch that episode, and uh, I'll definitely keep that in mind when I um, rewatch that now, Ed. Uh, thank you for highlighting that. But as I was going to say, uh, in season ten, episode five, how bling was my Kelly? Uh, you use the bling, and, you, and Bob Rooney grows a pompadour, and and, and, <laughs> and we all get your different hairstyles, and no, ma'am, guys, with the bling. <laughs> Am I the only one in the bling group who's had this horrible urge to do the girlfriend thing? With the wife? Oh, thank God, I'm not alone. I carried the wife across the threshold. I told her that I loved her. I even had foreplay. Hey, so what? Last night, I pleasured my ex-wife and paid her back alimony. Yeah? Yeah, well, that's nothing. When I was making love to Marcy, I was fantasizing about... Marcy. (laughs) 
Gentlemen, we are on the horns of a dilemma. By marketing Bleen, we'll make millions. Well, I will. <laughs> but we'll also be condemning mankind to a lifetime of lights on, bags off, wife-pleasing sex. <laughs> okay, then it's settled. We can't sell Bleen. We'd be as hated as the guy who invented the G-spot. <laughs> hey, who was that guy? I don't know, Kenny G. <laughs> I could use a little bleeding these days. I could too, uh, but uh, I'm not sure what the side effects. Well, I, I don't have a wife at the moment who would um, take and possibly take advantage of that. <laughs> well, actually, right now I am completely uh, shaven, head and beard. All I have are my eyebrows. In October, I'm going in for some cancer treatment. And uh, this particular uh, procedure is heavy, heavy on chemotherapy. And you're expected to lose all your hair. And I wanted to just kind of get ready for that. So last week, I completely shaved my head. So I'm, it's a totally different look. I look like, uh, you know, Dr. Evil. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, um, could be could be Bob Rudy's alter ego. And on a serious note, Ed, uh, may may everything go well with your treatment. Thank you, thank you. I I know people are. I hear I hear on my Facebook uh, more thoughts and prayers coming from fans, and it, it really means a lot. And I, I want to thank all the Married with Children fans all over the world who have sent uh, their their kind and healing thoughts because it, it, I feel it helping me and it means a lot to me it means a whole lot to me yeah i can only imagine uh, well uh moving on to your next um, appearance uh in season 10 episode 7 you had a flight to the bumblebee uh the one where budwell wrestles as a bumblebee <laughs> yeah was king kong bundy on that one Yes, he was. That was a King Kong Bundy, because I remember I rewatched that after King Kong Bundy passed away back in uh, 2019. Yeah, which is who they named the family for. Yes, indeed. I always tell people, not Ted Bundy, King Kong Bundy. I keep telling people <laughs> that, because uh, being the biggest married with children friend in, in my part of Australia means I tell a lot of people that. There you go. Yes. Oh, one of my favourite... Um, Bob Rooney and episodes of season 10 are like your appearances is, is, is him uh, season 10 episode 13 I can't believe it's butter hey butcher yeah. boy <laughs> I recognize those voices butcher boy psycho cop hot pants Ken doll shoehorn it's me butter <laughs> yeah Butcher boy, yes, <laughs> yes indeed. I love that one. It's uh, I love all the Christmas episodes, but you and the rest of no, um, the No Man guys really helped make that one, Ed. Yeah, that was a fun one. Now the voice of Butter wasn't that the gal from uh, Big Bang Theory played the mother? I'm not 100 percent sure. After double double check that, uh... I believe it might have been. But yeah, the Butcher boy on the on the on the phone line, yeah. 
Yes, I can't believe it's butter. Well, while I'm looking it up, uh, do you have any memories of uh, The Hood, The Bud and The Kelly Part 2, Season 10, Episode 15, where you're all on the roof um, and you're installing a satellite dish and falling off? <laughs> yeah, falling off and the big bird carrying me away. The B-52, the beak. Yeah, with the big, uh, they just use a big cutout uh, shadow in front of the uh, uh, light. And it, it was pretty impressive. But working on the slanted roof was fun, too. That was a great one. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I just looked it up. So, oh, yeah, the voice of Butter was uh, a actress called Jennifer Martin, who, uh, let's see. Okay, I'm confused. I, I was confused on that. I know I know the lady from uh, uh, Susie, um, Marianne Sussy. Was that her name? Oh, yes, she played... Uh, Howard's mother on Big Bang Theory. Yes, she she played one of the wives one time. I think. Yeah, I think she was Ike's wife. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A nice lady, very nice lady, very funny, very talented. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, yes, and we're down to your last four appearances on Married to Children, um, Ed. So you had season ten, episode seventeen, the agony and the extra C, where Jefferson gets not the best of tattoos. Yeah, <laughs> we all trying to draw a C on. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody taking their chance at the C. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they came up with some wild, wild stuff, man. That was. <laughs> was fun to try to to bring that to life like i said before ed on the podcast uh um the the way that married to children writers kept thinking of new ways to keep the show fresh which all pretty much most of them worked aside from cough seven cough uh yes i mean whether it's adding new characters <laughs> new scenarios uh yeah so i pretty yeah i think the latest seasons would have been weaker without the no mem episodes that's that's my two cents no thank you i was uh, glad to be a little part of that well, I'm glad you were too. Then it was season ten, episode twenty-six, the jokes on Al, where you uh, you got to meet, you got to uh, meet, work with Gary Coleman in that one. Hey, preacher man, you made it! <laughs> Are we lucky or what? Isaac from the Love Boat is also a ordained minister. Willie is also the dork of honor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I hung with him that much, but uh, definitely aware of his presence. When I did different strokes, he was not on that episode. So I didn't get to meet him back then. Ooh, a different strokes episode without um, Arnold. That's um, interesting. Yeah. He had, he had been out the, by that time. Ah, oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. We're down to your last two episodes here, Ed, uh, both from season 11. Yes, we came in for season 11, new producer, and it was the exact opposite of the first season. So we're bringing everything back into the house. <laughs> and it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Yes, all the season I, 11 I, changes. Exactly. I hear the writing on the wall there. So, what were the two that season? Okay, the first one was the Stepford Peg. Uh, so, um, well, well, yeah, basically drinking frothy, frothy margaritas stirred by Peggy's battery-operated cocktail stirrer. <laughs> 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 
Say, how did you get these margaritas so frothy? Well, I had this battery-operated cocktail stirrer. Oh. <laughs> Found it in my nightstand. <laughs> Nice use of a prop. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Funny enough, at the time of recording this here in September of 2022, Annabelle's and my review of the Stepford Peg is actually going to be released this coming week. Oh, nice. And that is a highlight, I have to say, that scene. <laughs> so be sure to tune in for that, um, Ed, when it premieres. Try to catch that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and your last appearance on Married to Children, season 11. Episode 17, Live Nude Peg, where Peg becomes a dancer at a nudie bar. Yeah. <laughs> nudie bar was always a, an interesting place to be, whether it was poetry readings. Gentlemen, present dollars. Hooters! 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 Tonight. I would like to dedicate this poem to my ovaries. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. My eggs, my eggs. He begs, he begs to be the father of my eggs. My eggs, my eggs. To meet my eggs. <laughs> or actual, you know, pole dancers. Good evening, patrons. <laughs> and welcome to the Jiggly Room, where we present the finest in yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Our first egg cup tonight is a delectable little dish we like to call Shay Shay. Uh, let's see, where, where did we leave off last week? Uh, we were discussing health care reform, I believe. Oh, yes. I oh, excuse me, ma'am, I believe you dropped this. <laughs> We were weighing the benefits of a medical malpractice torts against across-the-board employer insurance contributions. It was always an um, interesting place to be in that nudie bar. <laughs> yes, yes, so many classic scenes throughout the series in that nudie bar, that's for sure, Ed. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, highlighting your various uh, highlights of, um, well, your, your time as Bob Rooney on uh, Married to Children. Uh, now, I've got an another question for you here. So, uh, one thing I always like to ask actors and actresses is, is, is there any bit of Ed Bell in the character of Bob Rooney? I would say, yeah. He's, he always looks on the bright side. Probably doesn't really understand the complexity of the world. Well, that's not me. I mean, I, I do understand the complexity of the world. But I do tend to like to look on the bright side and to try to help everybody. Kind of one of my mottos is try to make everybody else's job easier. And I think that's Bob Rooney. I think he just wanted to help. Now, maybe his help was not the best help. <laughs> <laughs> maybe his help actually exacerbated the situation. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think his, his, his bright outlook and uh, just kind of 
cheeriness. That's that's me, eager to please. Nice, nice. And uh, how did you feel to play a character who is uh, supposed to be buffoonish, uh, like uh, various other TV buffoons before and after Bob Rooney's time? It's a proud tradition. <laughs> it's a proud tradition. Wacky neighbor. That was what I saw growing up uh, and I identified with. And that's what I wanted to be. And that was my shot at being the wacky neighbor. That was my longest running single role. Had another role on a show called Amanda, which was on uh, Nickelodeon channel, where I played Barney, the security guard at a movie studio, where the biggest fan of the star, who was also played by uh, Amanda Bynes, kept trying to break in. And I was all about keeping her out of the studio. Sing free. Roy. Amanda Show, lobby. Hello, please. I left a large meatloaf outside the main doors, please. Uh, meatloaf? Uh, correct. Could you check to see if the said meatloaf is still there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold, hold on. <laughs> So that was, I did uh, five or six, maybe seven episodes of that. So that was my, my other recurring character. Another one that I get, I'll, I did one episode of a TV show called Drake and Josh, where I played a car repair guy named Leslie. Leslie's towing company, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Been in the towing business for 23 years. So uh, who's Leslie, your wife? No. Leslie's my name. <laughs> <laughs> Something funny about that? Well, yeah, I mean, Leslie's a girl's name. Oh, is that what you think? Uh, what my brother meant to say was, we don't think Leslie's a girl's name. <laughs> we think it's a guy's name, dude. A man's name. A very man's name. No, it's not. Leslie's totally... Silence! Listen, boy. I was named after my father. He was named after his father, and they both fought in wars. Okay, all I'm saying is I've dated like five Leslies. All girls. Okay, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. You can rot in a sack for all I care. Goodbye. No, 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 no please, wait, don't leave. Rot in a sack. And it, the joke was made about it being a girl's name. But I tell you, I get a whole lot of people who remember that particular episode. So, yeah, the buffoonish part, I'm all for it. In making the world laugh, I'd rather have them laugh at me. That my whole concept of humor, because there's always a butt of a joke, which is one thing about humor today that makes it so sticky, is that people don't appreciate being laughed at being the butt of a joke so almost all of my comedy i try to make myself the butt of the joke that way they can laugh at me they can laugh with me but by god they're laughing and that makes for a better world indeed 
Indeed, indeed. And I was just looking at you, um, act, I mean, I just want to say, so when I was a boy, I actually watched a bit of the Amanda show and uh, all that. So if I ever catch it again, I have to keep an eye out for you. Because it was way before I was watching Married to Children. So I have to keep an eye out for you if I ever watch those again. Yeah, Barney pops up quite a few times. Cool, cool. Uh, I'll hand you back over to um, Annabelle. who has got a few more questions for you. I've got a few more for you uh, later on. But uh, yeah, I'll hand you back over to Annabelle for now. Alrighty. So, Ed, you mentioned Carol and Susie, who played Ike's wife yes, yes, on the show. But your wife on the show, Louise, was played by an actress named Alex Elias. This is so much fun. I think the bumblebee's dead. <laughs> oh, Bob Rooney, you know what all this grunting and sweating and screaming reminds me of? Thanksgiving dinner at your mother's? <laughs> of what we do after dinner, you big turkey baster, you. Uh-oh. Yeah, very sweet lady, very funny, and a, and a good uh, a good foil, a good person to uh, do comedy with, yeah. Yeah. I just found it hilarious that even Bob Rooney's wife called him Bob Rooney. Even his <laughs> wife. Even his wife. That was Michael Moy's thing. He said, in every neighborhood, there's one guy that they call by both names. So you roll with it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's fair enough. Uh, what about, uh, are there any anecdotes about any other of the uh, day players or recurring characters? I mean, you spoke a little bit about the other No Man guys and, and Ted McGinley. And, but, you know, there's also Dan Tullis, who played Officer Dan, or, you know, Teresa Parente, who played Miranda. Yeah, I remember Teresa. I didn't really hang around with her much, so I don't really have too many stories about her. Dan, really nice guy, great singer. He'd been on the show for several years before I got there. But yeah, nothing jumping out other than that they were all just the nicest folk. Just good, good folks. I think that comes through. I honestly say um, this this cast and this crew always felt like a really nice group of people. Uh, I'm not having met anybody, of course, but that's always the vibe that I got. And I think that's one of the things that has appealed to me about the show. Uh, everyone just seems very cool, very, not chill, but like very professional and very, you know, that cool people to hang around with. And that's certainly true of the people we've interviewed, including Harold Sylvester. He's very cool. And he's an amazing, yeah, extremely person. nice people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even, I don't know if you remember Megan Markle growing up on the set of the show. I don't know that I ever ran into her. I honestly don't. When she became kind of a, a, a personality, somebody said, hey, she was on Married with Children. I, said, I, I don't, I honestly don't remember. That's one that slipped through the cracks. No, that's what, she would have been a child. Yeah. <laughs> My chance to uh, meet royalty. <laughs> Oh, it's just interesting to to link it back to the to her and we as full disclosure we're recording this the the day after Queen Elizabeth II has passed away. Mm -hmm. So, do you keep in touch with anybody else from the show? I mean, other than Tom, the only one is Tom. The only the Tom McLeister and I we, right. we do keep in touch. I visited his home on the other coast. His wife has battled cancer as well, so uh, we've uh, commiserated on that. And she's been a very helpful uh, advisor in that. But really, that's the only, those, those are the only two. I mean, Harold, as I said before, and, and Tom were at my wedding. 
and Tom sang a song for us. But Tom is really the only one I still stay in touch with, sadly, because they were all nice people. Would have loved to have hung on, hung around with them and and uh, got to know them better. But they all had their own lives and just wasn't meant to be. So if Bob Rooney were a real person, where do you think he'd be today? What do you think he'd he'd be doing? He'd be in that garage drinking beer, <laughs> <laughs> looking at biggins, you know, stand, trying to avoid the wife. <laughs> I think he was in his element, you know. I don't know that he had any aspirations of being anything more than just a fun guy with his buddies watching ball games, drinking beer. That's it. Simple man. It's the kind of life we should all aspire to. (laughs) (laughs) And people must recognize you from a lot of things, but I reckon, well, I'm going to assume that people would recognize you as Bob Rooney, perhaps most often. Yes. As well as Barney from Amanda. But how do you feel when people call you Bob Rooney, whether in person or online? It depends on how they call you Bob Rooney. You know, if they're nice and polite and they come up and say were you bob rooney yeah well that's cool nice to meet you that's kind of cool but if i'm in a if i'm with my band in a pub or whatever and somebody just stands up in the middle of the crowd and just starts screaming bob rooney, bob rooney, it's you know thank you <laughs> appreciate that yeah that's what i did yes thank you i was bob rooney during the the, the height of popularity We'd go to like a grocery store and my wife would notice the box boy or the, the guy who's stocking the shelves would follow from aisle to aisle, looking down the aisles, peeking down the aisles. And she always called it a Bob Rooney sighting mm-hmm. when someone would kind of notice and just kind of look and they would, or maybe they'd say hello, maybe they wouldn't. But it got a lot of great fan mail, some of it from prison. Which was interesting. For a couple years, I ran a uh, No Ma'am website. I would send people little certificates for their local. I'd ask them to pick a name of a show for their local fan club. But that got to be like three hours of work a night. We had like 150 chapters all over the world. And all I was doing was just sending them these little certificates that said they were official No Ma'am. I had no right to do that, but I did that. <laughs> and yes, for a while, I did sell No Ma'am t-shirts because there weren't any real ones out there. You know, you could get them on eBay, but they were bleached white and the logo wouldn't particularly look good. So I got them in the gray that were the ones you use on TV, which ended up looking white. And so I sold several of them over the course of several years. And then they really picked up on eBay, and I just couldn't keep up with it. So I'm no longer doing that. I remember you talking about that in um, the the True Hollywood story that they did on Married with Children back in 2001, just talking about how the upkeep of such a no-man club was just way too much. And uh, I do admire you for attempting to take that on, but God, that would have been a lot. (laughs) Got out of hand. Got out of hand. Yeah. The song never took off as much as I thought. I wrote that while I was – mowing my yard one day and tom okay. and i got together and recorded it and we thought it was i thought it was funny so it, it's out there somewhere 
yeah, we're, we we like it. We we have it. We're going to play it probably at the end of this interview. I mean, oh great, great, great! I need to get that maybe up on my YouTube or something. Oh, definitely. Do you feel like you've been typecast because of the character? But you are a character actor and you play lookalikes and things like that. But now that you're associated with a role like Bob Rooney, have you experienced any typecasting? Yeah, that's what you want. Typecasting is not that bad of a thing for a comedian, for a character actor. You want to do that character or a variation of that character. Uh, I figure Humphrey Bogart, I think it was, said, you know, yes, you'll get pigeonholed, but you can line the pigeonhole with cash because you're getting paid to do that character. And that's your living. Now, it's nice when you get to do something else. My next thing that's in the can right now that'll be coming out at Christmas is a movie called Babylon. And it's with Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, directed by the guy who did La La Land. In that, I play a movie producer in the 30s. And the two scenes I have are directly with Brad Pitt. And I'm drunk in the first one. And I get drunk in the second one. But the great thing about it is both of those scenes are shot with one camera. So it'll be very difficult for him to cut me out. Because as a character actor, a lot of your stuff is the first to go in a movie for time or whatever. I did one episode of Cheers, started the week with five lines. I came through the door as kind of the yuppie Norm, and where, where everybody would greet him with Norm when he came through the door. When I came through the door, everybody said, Bradley! We think Sam's overreacting just a bit, don't you? Ciao, gang! Bradley! Times they are changing, Mr. <laughs> because the restaurant upstairs was sending their customers downstairs to wait for their tables. And Sam got very angry about it. So I had like five lines the first week. Every day of the show, I lost a line due to the time of the show. And finally, the last day when they were going to take my, I, I had two lines left when they were going to take the second line. So I would just get the Bradley. It was Ted Danson who looked up to the producer and says, come on, leave the guy a line. <laughs> and uh, it, that, I don't think the second line made it in. But it was nice for him to stand up for it. But yeah, as a character actor, you get cut. So in this case of this Babylon, I really don't think I'm going to get lost because it was all done in one, uh, one take. So looking forward to that. As are we. But again, a little buffoonish? Yeah, he's a little buffoonish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Air Force One was not a buffoonish character at all. I was playing, I played a uh, reporter on Air Force One, the Harrison Ford presidential airplane. And uh, I had a couple nice little lines, a couple little shots in there. So I, I did get to stretch my chops a little bit. 
but yeah the majority of the work is as as that funny wacky neighbor and that's okay if that's what makes people laugh and that's what pays the rent i'm all for it one of the first things i saw you in outside of married with children was that cheers episode I'm a Cheers fan anyway, but um, I saw that. Oh, it's Bob Rooney. But, <laughs> but, no. but I, I did upload that clip to my YouTube channel. So if it if you're curious, you can see it. I mean, I hope it doesn't get removed. But if, if you want me to remove it, of course I will. But oh, honestly... no, no. I, I have no objection. <laughs> I'll probably steal it myself and put it up on mine because I don't know that I have that on, uh, on uh, tape. Well, I like to find things that the actors have been in. So you know, when I see something, I think it's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. I'll hand you back over to, to Matt for this next section, and, um, yeah, we'll talk again soon. All righty. Matthew? Okay, so um, I just uh, actually literally re-watched your appearance on Cheers just then, Ed. Uh, so uh, I was a fan of Married to Children before I was a fan of Cheers, but I don't think I quite noticed you in that very brief scene. I do now, though. It was quick. It was just, hello, goodbye. Still worth it, though. Uh, especially, I do remember the episode where, as you mentioned, all the patrons of Melville's, uh, the re- fine seafood restaurant upstairs, are being sent down to cheers. <laughs> yep, Sam did not appreciate that. No, he mm. didn't, actually. No, he didn't. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, on a side note, I think Norm and Bob Rooney would be good friends if they ever met. I believe so. Norm would be a no mamma. I absolutely, and Cliff would be the know-it-all, no mammer. Even though that's a mean. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's a rigorous, rigorous screening process. <laughs> uh, anyway, so tell us a bit more about your other work after Married to Children, because Luigi remembers seeing you on 61 in 2001, for example, as... The Babe, in this, your character rips a chair from the base in a stadium and threw it at Roger Maris. Yes, yes indeed. Hey Roger, up here! Hey, it's a voice from above! Hey Maris, up here! It's the Babe! Hey, hey, you want my record? You want my record? You can come up and kiss my lesbian! You got there, pal. You're nothing. You got nothing. You're never gonna be nothing. Hey, what? You can't even face me. You can't even look at me. Oh, you wanna play ball? You wanna play some ball? Hey, 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 what? I uh, auditioned for Billy Crystal in a movie called Forget Paris. And I played a loud, angry sports fan. And the only line that remains is me screaming at him. He's a, he's a referee and crowd doesn't like his call. And so I'm just an absolute face painted fan. And I just scream as the security guys are pushing me back. I hope you die. I don't want to protect you, but I have to. 
crowd appears to be voicing its displeasure. Hey, Charles! Charles! I'll see you in San Antonio. You'll see me. You'll see me kick your ass. I sure wouldn't want to be Mickey Gordon tonight or any other night the rest of my life here in Phoenix. I hope you die! Hey, can you help on that? I saw it all the way. It was late. Let's get you out of here. And that's the line they kept. But I got along with Billy Crystal very well on that show. And then he had me in as a wrestling announcer in the movie uh, My Giant. And then he had me read some... When you do a movie, you'll get together in an agent's office or whatever, and actors will come in and and read roles. And for uh, one of his Analyze This, Analyze That movies, Analyze This, I think it was the first one, he had me come in and, and read a role. And just in that audition, well, actually, there's an audition for My Giant, which we did at Spielberg's house for Spielberg over the internet which was very interesting. And then the reading for Analyze This was at an agency and they brought in Abe Vigoda and I got to meet uh, Robert De Niro that day because he came in for the reading. And it was just, you know, a quick nod. Hello, how are you? But by God, I met him. And the other one of the other ones he had me come in and read for was 61, which is the story of Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle who were childhood heroes of his. And there is this character called the, I was actually reading a sports announcer in the reading, but there is this character called the babe who's got his home own homemade Babe Ruth uniform. And we filmed it at tiger stadium in Detroit, which was doubling for uh, the polo grounds. And yeah, I was on a second tier and all of that is ad-libbed as well. It was just, you know, okay, Ed, so just harass him and then throw the chair. So I made up all the dialogue and threw the chair. But before I did that, I was leaning over the, leaning over the uh, edge of the second, second uh, balcony there. And I, I said to um, the guy playing Mandela, I said, I hope you know I have a, a fear of heights. And he says, I hope you know I have a fear of falling chairs. So when I threw the chair, it landed maybe 50 feet away from him or so. And then digitally, they mastered it. So it looked like it felt much closer. But I am sure he could have found a guy in the Detroit area that could have done that for him. But it was really kind of him to bring me in for that week. And uh, it, was, it was a great experience. Yeah, I had, a, had three good, good films with him. And I hope to work with him again sometime. Awesome. Now, uh, Ed, uh, any other particular project or projects that are your favorites or most proud of over the years that aren't Married of Children? The two films I did with the Coen brothers recently, one was called Hail Caesar, where I played a bartender who Channing Tatum plays a sailor in a song and dance routine like an old Gene Kelly hollywood uh musical number where the sailors are up tap dancing on their bar tables and at a specific point in the movie in the song i weave my way through those tables pulling 
the tablecloths out from underneath them as they're tap dancing. The swinging dinghy is closing, folks. Time for me to clean up. Time for you to clear out. So long, fellas. See you in eight months. See you later, later boys. Eight months? Yeah, we're shipping out in the morning. Golly, eight months without a dame. Can you beat it? You're gonna have to beat it. <laughs> we are heading out to sea. And however it'll be, it ain't gonna be the same. Cause no matter what we see when we're out there on the sea, we ain't gonna see a dame. We'll be searching high and low on the deck and down below, but it's a crying shame. Oh, we'll see you. So I had to coordinate with their steps. If it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, pull the tablecloth on one table, it might have been one, two, three, four, five, pull the tablecloth on the other one. So I'm wending my way through there, remembering that sequence. And it went very well. It went very, very well. And another scene in there is he's tap dancing on the bar, and I'm there are beer bottles lined up on the bar. And as he's tap dancing, I'm bringing them down one at a time. And uh, they came up to me and they said before, okay, Ed, we know how complicated this is. We've seen you rehearse it. We're ready to spend several hours getting this shot. Let's just do it. And we did it. And they liked the first take. I said, can I get another one? Because I was, I was kind of looking at the bottles rather than looking up at him. And they said, no, we got it. We like it. Moving on. And in that movie, we rehearsed at what is now Sony Studios, but was MGM Studios. And I got to be on a Fred Astaire stage where he used to rehearse. And one day we had lunch on the Married with Children stage, which was kind of cool because the logo is up printed on the wall. So it was nice to get back to that. But they uh, really kind of brought some Hollywood uh, fantasies to life for me for that. And then a couple of years later, they called about this thing called Buster Scruggs. They wanted a piano player in a saloon. And I said, well, I don't pay, play, play piano. They said, no, but we know you have musical timing because of what you did in Hail Caesar. And we're not going to show your hands. And so I got to spend a week in Santa Fe for uh, like two days work at a... Uh, cowboy uh, village playing piano as this bar fight is going on around me. Sing them. You play them. And if and I don't? You play them cards, Fancy Dan. Can't no one compel another man to engage in recreation. Certainly not a son of a gun as ill-humored as yourself. And as for names... My horse is Dan. I'm Buster. Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs? The run from Riata Pass? And this pistol?
I do hail from Riata Pass, which is in the county of San Saba, being the which why the San Saba songbird is my sobriquet of preference. But right now, I'd appreciate it if you'd deposit your weapon in the receptacle by the swinging doors, which concealing of it on your person in the first place was a violation of the rules of this establishment and an offense against local norms. And if and I don't. And so that was cool. I, I really in, enjoyed that week. So yeah, Air Force One, Harold's Hail, Hail, uh, Hail Caesar, the three with Billy Crystal, the Coen Brothers stuff, all just really good, good stuff. And this Babylon that's coming out in Christmas with Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie, those were two fun scenes. And as I say, hopefully because I'm in the same shot, single camera shot, they won't be able to cut me out. And that'll kind of be a nice end to my career if it's the last thing I do. I don't know. The, the cancer and stuff that I'm going through right now, I, I hope to heal up well enough so that after the first of the year, I may start working again. I don't know. If it's the last thing I do, it's kind of a, a good goodbye. And at 40 years... I'm, you know, starting to get my pensions <laughs> from the unions. And so my work is, even if I do work, it'll be much less than I used to. But I still want to work. still want to make people laugh. That's my life's ambition. Well, Ed, hopefully, um, like I said before, this all goes well for you and you, you do work in the future. The weird thing was the, the, the day my doctor told me about it, he said, well, you know, Ed, You've got this cancer called multiple myeloma. And of all the cancers there are, you could have picked a worse one. I said, Doc, I didn't really pick it. It kind of picked me, but thanks. The guys here in Long Beach at the Cancer Center are just amazing. So, yeah, they, I'm getting the best treatment. I still think you've got um, things to do in the future and all that, you know, things to grace your presence with. I still got some funny in me, I'll tell you. Yes, you do, you do, you do. <laughs> so, Ed, could you please tell us where people can find you online? Folks who want to keep an eye on me uh, on Facebook, it's actor E.E. E. Bell. Instagram, actor E.E. E. Bell. YouTube, E.E. E. Bell. Twitter, don't do a lot of Twitter, actor E.E. E. Bell. I am not on TikTok. Neither am I, Ed, because to be fair, tick, I mean, I'm only 31, but TikTok, oh, I don't, I'm, I sound like an old timer here, but that's for young people. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little too, it's a little too energetic. Yeah, just a smidgen, yeah. Now, Ed, being on screen provides an actor with a bit of immortality to their fans. So, what goes through your mind when you think that people will be viewing your body of work decades and even centuries from now? It's rewarding. It's like when you watch a, an old movie now and you know the guy's been dead for 50 years but you're laughing at him for the work he did that day on that set 
telling those jokes, you know, it's very rewarding to know that that will live on little bit of immortality. That's, that's all anybody could ask for. Really. It's, it's been a blessing my career. I haven't, I've probably worked more than a lot of the people in screen actors guild. I've worked less than many, many people in the screen actors guild, but it's been a very blessed, rewarding career. And to know that that work will live on is just a blessing and a reward. And it makes me happy. That's awesome. Because uh, I mean, I'm not a father yet, but when I do become one, no doubt I'll be boring the future kids with married to children. And I'll be able to say to them, uh, I got to speak to that man once. I know that guy. I met that buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be able to tell them all the, um, all the stuff he told us about. And uh, yeah, so but no doubt when my ki- future kids are old enough to get and appreciate married to children, I'll definitely introduce them to him and... Uh, well, no miles. I probably hate it and think it's oh <laughs> trash or something stupid. But then, then their kids will end up loving it. Fingers you know, crossed. It, things things tend to skip a generation. They tend to, yes, they tend to. Uh, Some now, someday your grandkids gonna come up and go, Papa, do you know Married with Children? It's a funny and show. And I'll be I, all sit right down and yeah, strap yourself <laughs> in. Let me tell you some stories. <laughs> oh, I've got a lot of them, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Before I ask them this next question, I'll just say, I've got stories about the House of Esther interview. I'll, I'll be saying to our future kids, okay, so the night I recorded that, Auntie Anna had to wake up your dad um, after he got home at 6 o'clock in the morning, driving home an hour after speaking to uh, Auntie Maddie for an hour. <laughs> after <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> That friend I was telling you about earlier, the yeah, whole um, exactly. going away do. No alcohol involved with anyone. <laughs> Sad, really. No, no, it was a good <laughs> night. Any, anyways. Please, please, good opportunity. Yes, yes. Okay, Ed, uh, I've got another question here for you. Uh, I'd like to, I would love to hear your thoughts on the state of political correctness today and how it's changed comedy today versus how it was done in Married to Children's heyday back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, you, you can't tell a joke anymore, you know? You just can't. People are just too wrapped up in their own selves and their own triggers and their own... Uh, inability to be to laugh at themselves everybody takes themselves just so seriously they are the most important thing in the world they are the most the only person who realizes who really knows what's going on and that's just bullshit it's not you are not the center of the of the world you're the center of your little world but everybody else is in this we're all in this thing together and you gotta you gotta have elbow room for everybody. When he spoke a bit earlier about poking fun at yourself, uh, it really resonated with me, and I would also think, by extension, the entire podcast team, because all that we do here is for fun and we like to laugh. It doesn't seem like poking fun at someone or even at yourself is tolerated in today's world, sadly. Yeah, you know who you are. Other other people's opinions of you. You know, why, why would I care? 
a person who I have zero, I, I tend to take people, I welcome everyone and I respect everyone until they prove themselves unworthy of respect. I will assume the best until you prove me wrong. It's very much like Will Rogers, who had a very famous quote, which goes something like, I've never met a man I didn't like. And, and then don't dwell on the ones that you meet that don't fit. Why dwell on the negative? Life is far too short, far too short to deal with jerks. <laughs> any thoughts on our podcast, if by chance you've listened to um, any episodes over the years? That's the episode I, I did listen to, and I just find him a, a very fascinating guy. Very fascinating guy. I hope there's a possibility next year sometime I'll be moving from California to Florida. And uh, he's in New Orleans, I think, these days. And I would love to uh, meet up with him down there and spend some time with him because I find him just a, a, an amazing person and not only a talented actor, but he was, a, he was a guy I really had a great deal of respect for and one I wouldn't mind seeing again. And uh, well, we plan to visit Tom McLeister as well, too, because he was a very funny guy and uh, he and his wife and my wife and myself got along very well. And so I, I look forward to seeing them in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yes. I may, may, may all get to meet up in the future. Look forward yes. to it. I do. Harold Sylvester is a very interesting, talented guy. We had a blast talking to him. Yeah. His life story is just amazing. It's yeah. the story of America, really. Yeah, absolutely. We were also very fortunate to interview Michael Moy himself, also a bit of a bucket list item for myself. Um, again, a very cool, interesting guy. Yeah, I'll have to look up that one and, uh, and, and see and listen to it. I always found him very uh, entertaining and very open about explaining stuff. If I didn't really get a nuance of a joke or whatever, he was the one that could really lay it out for me. And he was the only producer I really knew because the other guy, Ron, left the year the No Man guys came in. So never got to meet him. So Michael was the producer to me until the last year when the lady uh, took over. And I don't recall her name. Pamela Ills or Ells. Yes. Pamela yes, Ills. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Season 11 is an interesting season. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the middle of reviewing season 11. So it's, it's just, it, yeah, it's interesting. We'll leave it at that for, for now. The tarnish of the golden age. <laughs> well, there's, 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 some, there's some gold still in there somewhere. You just have to <laughs> mine for it. <laughs> but you are um, on our on our bucket list as well, and certainly Bob Rooney is a very popular character. It, Sony has a, an, a, a what looks to be an official Married with Children YouTube channel, and recently they asked fans to rate Bob Rooney versus Ike. And apparently Bob Rooney won by a landslide. I mean, uh, why, why do you think that's so? I mean, like, in your opinion, why is the character so popular with fans? It's, it's everything you've already said, but it, it's, there's so much more. I mean, it's... He's just adorable. Yeah. You know, what's not to love? <laughs> 
he's there's just no he's got he's got no guile there's no dishonesty there's no there's nothing hidden he is what he is he's he's all there he's he's a hundred percent there interesting one of the uh, uh i got a comment from a german fan one time who of course listens to dubbed versions and he asked me does my voice sound like the german guy's voice because the german guy's voice always sounds like he's under pressure <laughs> and i didn't really get that because i don't i don't see that bob rooney is under pressure maybe he's a little befuddled but uh that was an odd comment i thought yeah i don't think he's under pressure like you say he's a he likes to look on the bright side and yeah and life trouble just rolls off of him yeah he doesn't he doesn't he enjoys life exactly exactly he just loves his buddies loves what he's doing loves his wife uh, you know i just have this image of you singing one of the rhymes about the jiggly room and you, you have such joy and glee in your face you know where you <laughs> swear like a sailor and wish you could nail her <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, it's, yep. It's wonderful. Classic lines, classic stuff. And it will last. They thought yeah. it was this bent little weird show that would last a year and they'd all go back to what they were doing. Ed O'Neill could go back to being a dramatic actor, which he does so well, and went a whole nother way. And by the time I got there, it was a train that none of them wanted to jump off. They were going to ride it as long as they could. They'd done every storyline. The, the classic line is there are only like 35 storylines that a situation comedy can have. But they just did it. They just did it right. You know, they just did it right. They did. It was funny. What do you think about, I'm just curious, how you th what do you think about there being a lot of female fans of the show, much like myself. I know a lot of women worked on the show, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it, it's, it's sometimes surprising to people that, you know, one of the biggest fans in the world is, is, is a woman. <laughs> well, they probably get the joke better than some of the guys do. The guys don't necessarily see the, uh, the depth involved, <laughs> you know? Women see things differently than men. Everybody knows that. And they send, they process emotionally and men process logically. And so guys just kind of react to what they see, whereas women know more what's going on. And so they can appreciate the humor at a, a higher level, really, than just the, uh, than just the, uh, you know, sniggering sexual stuff. So good on you. Good on you. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And so at the end of the day, we believe that we can safely say that all of your Married Children fans want to collectively give you a big, big thank you for making us laugh. And so do you have any, any final message for your fans? I want to thank them for watching because without that audience, you're just, well, it was the studio audience, of course. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for appreciating it. 
on whatever level you appreciate it. <laughs> that uh, that if I if I made you laugh, God bless you. If you came home from work one time and you flopped down and you forgot the troubles of the day, and I gave you a laugh, that's all I can ask. Thanks for watching. God bless you for it. That's excellent. Honestly, it's a big, big, big thank you from us. And I know thank you doesn't feel like enough sometimes, but that's all we can say, really. And other than the fact that, much like Bob Rooney himself, we too like to look on the bright side and we wish you nothing but the best of health going forward. Hope everything works out personally and professionally. A big thank you for your time today. It's really an honor to speak to you and just a big thank you. I honestly couldn't have predicted that this point in my life I'd be talking to you or, you know, Harold or Michael or anybody, but a big thank you to you today. Um, we really appreciate your time today and answering all of our questions and for, yeah, much like everybody else, just being a very cool, interesting guy. Don't forget, everybody out there, you can catch Ed online at eebell.net. That's and, Indeed. And he's on Facebook, as he said. He's on Instagram. He's a little bit on Twitter. He's not on TikTok. But... <laughs> his band the hooligans they're also on facebook and there's uh there's some clips on youtube as well which is great and of course you'll see him on your television quite often as it turns out especially if you're a married children fan or a fan of anything else because he's in pretty much everything uh, <laughs> and so we look <laughs> we look forward to babylon later in the year but for now again it's it's you know it's onwards and upwards so happy health and a big thank you from us again Thank you so much, guys. Being being a, a part of people's lives like that, even if you're just a tiny little part that amuses them, is is such a worthwhile feeling. And uh, thank you. You know, sounds a lot like I love you. So <laughs> thank you. Well, we love you. There's a song called Nature Boy by a very unique fellow named Eden Abaz, who was probably one of the first hippies back in the 40s actually very early on he was vegetarian and long hair and a beard there's a song called nature boy and the payoff of the song is the, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return and that's it love is all there is to coin a phrase because the only other thing, all that is not love is fear. People think hate is the opposite of love. It's not. Hate is the emotion we use to cover our fear. And all there is in this world is love and fear. And if you love, then you don't fear anything. And the minute you fear something, you are on the wrong path. Respect the dangerousness of those things respect fire <laughs> don't fear fire don't hate fire but respect it you know, you know, kind of a weird left turn well said 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you once again, Ed, uh, for um, taking the time to interview us today. Uh, your amazing catalogue of work um, over, over the years, and uh, yes, once again, all the best for your future. And uh, yes, I'll, I'll finally remember um, the character of Bob Rooney um, for the uh, rest of my life. Well, really nice talking to you, Matt and Annabelle. Grand conversation. Yeah, great to chat with you. Yes, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Alrighty. Life when he's got to say no, no ma'am, no ma'am. 